Hey super friends, my name is Neil and this is episode 40 of the Get Your Comic On podcast. We're here fortnightly-ish to bring you a slice of comic book, film, TV and pop culture goodness from our studio to your speakers. I am of course joined by my very own boy wonder himself, Martin. Say hello, Martin. Hello, Martin. This week we are dispensing with the usual formula and we are here to predominantly talk to you about DC Fandom. Uh, We are also going to have a bit of a chat about uh, Superman, Man of Tomorrow, the animated movie which has come out in the meantime. And we have an interview uh, with Tim Sheridan who uh, was the writer of Superman, Man of Tomorrow who I got to chat to a week or so ago. But before we get down to it, there is one sort of piece of news that we need to talk about around Fandome that wasn't confirmed at it, but was confirmed right before it, which was uh, the absolute, complete and utter 100% confirmation that Ben Affleck is back as Batman. Officially. Batfleck returns. Called it. You did. You said this to me months ago. You were like, ah, Ben Affleck will be back. Was it the confirmation of the Snyder Cut that made you go, ah, Ben Affleck's back? Yeah, it's almost like a redemption from... I suppose it is in a way. So we got the news from Andy Machete, who is uh, directing the Flash movie, that Ben Affleck will be in the Flash. We don't quite know the level uh, of role that he will have in the film. He said that it will. it's a substantial emotional centre to the film because of the relationship between Barry Allen and uh, Bruce Wayne. There are varying rumours between he'll be in costume, he won't be in costume, he'll be in a tiny bit, he'll be in quite a bit. He's barely a cameo he's got a series on hbo max this it, the rumor mill has gone into crazy overdrive on this one but it is official ben affleck will be batman at least one more time maybe one more <laughs> is this is that your official mystic make prediction that they'll call it one more and then it'll be well just one more well just one more i think i've looked into the cards and they've said maybe one more Depending I, on how this is received. True, yeah. I think, for, based on one of the quotes that came out, he is happy to be Batman, or at least Bruce Wayne, when there isn't the weight of an entire movie on his shoulders. Because you could hear how much he... I mean, you could hear how much he enjoyed Batman versus Superman, and that obviously didn't turn out the way you wanted it to. But you could hear that he kind of enjoyed his appearance in Suicide Squad... And I guess there's something a little bit easier about playing Batman when you don't have to think about shouldering a two, two and a half hour movie. I suppose that could work because it can keep that continuation of those characters and he will just pop up every so often. Well, that is, and that is the rumour that we've talked about before that Henry Cavill Superman would take on a Nick Fury type role and be like that little bit of connective tissue between different bits of DC on film. And we'll kind of get to talk about some of that when we talk about the Multiverse 101 panel from Fandom. But there's nothing to say that Cavill, Superman and Affleck's Batman can't both be that kind of Nick Fury type small nugget of a role that appears with some of the others if and when you need someone to for the sake of the narrative and not for the sake of connecting the films. Nick who? <laughs> Don't be rude. Well, no, I'm just asking a question. Nick Fury. Samuel L. Jackson. Head of S.H.I.E.L.D. Appeared in all the Marvel movies. Marvel who? <laughs> Are you passing comment on the fact that Marvel has been rather quiet, apart Wait. from announcing that they've dropped the word the from the title of Eternals? Well, you don't hear about them very often these days, do you, Marvel? Apart from New Mutants. 
That's a podcast for another day. Once it's actually in cinemas, let's wait until we've seen it. Oh, it's Saturday tonight. Or today, depending on when you're listening. Yes. How do you feel about Ben Affleck being back, even for a short period of time? I, 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 I'm happy. I quite liked him as a Batman and a, and a, and a Ben. I liked him as a Batman and a Ben. I liked him as a Batman and a Bruce Wayne. So if he was only to appear in The Flash as Bruce and not suit up, would that be an issue? Or are you happy to take what you can get from another appearance by his version of the character? I'll take what I can get. Okay. I am inclined to agree with you. It would be cool to see him as Batman, even briefly, just one more time. But I would be perfectly happy to just see his Bruce Wayne again, just to see that universe continue in some respect. You're not going to turn away a bit of Ben? No, no, not at all. Neither would Anna Diarmas, apparently. Uh, anyway, we're going to talk a whole lot more about The Flash in just a minute when we get to the Flash movie panel. But uh, that that's the only major piece of news which I think is worth talking about in this fandom special. So without further ado, let's open the doors to the convention centre, take our seats in the Hall of Heroes, and get ready for DC fandom. Might have to put some reverb on my voice there to make it sound really exciting. Tired, like... Fandom, 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 fandom. We're going to cover this uh, in order of the the panels as they happened on the night on August the 22nd. So if you want to skip ahead, just follow the schedule. It's Wonder Woman 1984, Mysterious Video Game Announcement from Warner Brothers Montreal, Multiverse 101, Flash Movie, The Suicide Squad Movie, Justice League, Snyder Cut, Black Adam, Aquaman, Shazam, Suicide Squad, The Game from Rocksteady Studios, and then rounding out with The Batman. Ooh, I should have done that in the style of the theme tune to the cartoon. The Batman. Wee, wee, wee. <laughs> I watched the entire of the eight-hour run from 6pm to 2 o'clock in the morning, and then had one mighty fandom hangover the next day. You stayed with it until Snyder Cut? Uh, you saw the Snyder Cut trailer, and I think that was the last you saw of it. Uh, yeah, I tapped out at like 11 o'clock. <laughs> but what did you think of the event as it was? Let's just do some general thoughts on, on DC fandom. I wasn't on the list. People might be able to skip through this. No, sorry. It was all right. Is that the kind of it's all right where actually you're like, yeah, it was pretty good, or it's all right isn't it? Yeah, it was all right. Well, you've got to listen to the inflection. I went, it was all right. Oh, okay, so you really enjoyed it then? Yeah. Uh, what about it in particular did you enjoy? It was just nice to have something to look forward to, I think. They dropped a lot of stuff. It's almost like there's a little bit of hope in this darkened period of nothingness. Nobody else has released anything. So it's nice to be like, oh yeah, there's stuff happening. People are making good content. Ooh. Yeah, I agree. They did. They did a really good job of releasing a couple of surprises doing things differently it wasn't just a youtube playlist you know the way everything was visualized was really interesting different panels had different looks to them it wasn't just the same thing repeating over and over and over again uh what did you think of the way they put everything together with little clips in between little animated shorts interview snippets q a bits what did you think about that it was almost like dc does eurovision because of the worldwide hosts so you had the worldwide hosts and then you had the little clips in between Oh, I suppose, yeah, I see what you mean. Like when each country has a little intro video that's completely nuts. Yeah, it's like, we're off to Sweden, and there'll be like a little Swedish thing. Yep. A goat or something. Okay. And then it's like, oh, we're off to Wonder Woman. Here's a cartoon. 
particularly resembles Wonder Woman. It was interesting because I felt like we were a little bit left out in terms of the UK. We had a UK host who was on um, later in the evening, but you had kind of global cosplay. You had a lot of focus on, oh, this is what DC is doing in Brazil. This is what DC is doing in Japan. This is what DC is doing here. Uh, and they didn't. I didn't feel like they quite covered us so much, which was interesting. But then I suppose we're a major market, whereas they were actually throwing a light on areas that they probably don't normally get to reach to, which was which is nice for those areas. We, it's not like we don't get enough love from from DC anyway. Exactly. Is it really? You've just answered your own question. Then. I should just answer my own question. Uh, Okie dokie. So Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four cast was up first. You had Gal Gadot. You had Kristen Wiig. You had Pedro Pascal. You also had, uh, I was going to call him Steve Trevor, Chris Pine, and you had Patty Jenkins. And then a surprise guest, who I called from the trailer, that you said to me was no way going to be this person because they looked too young from their forehead. (laughs) It was a very smooth forehead. She's looking good for her age. How old is she? Oh, good question. Uh, So they were joined by Linda Carter, who, who sadly didn't confirm that she would be in the film, which was what I was kind of hoping for, uh, but did just join in to, to throw some love on, on Wonder Woman and they, they reappeared a little bit later on uh, after you went to bed because it's Wonder Woman's 80th anniversary next year so they unveiled uh, a special new version of the DC logo to celebrate Wonder Woman's um, 80th anniversary she was born in 1951 wow. so that would make her like 70 next year so it's almost her 80th anniversary <laughs> it's almost her 80th anniversary yes uh, wow she's looking good for her age there's a lot of chit-chat about the film, about production on the film, about how the the filmmakers approached this sequel and where we will find Diana in, in 1984 and, and what will happen. The major announcement was, of course, the release of the second trailer. So we got uh, another look at her in the Golden Eagle armour. We got our first look at her uh, kind of battling it out with Kristen Wiig's Barbara Minerva. And then, obviously, right at the end of the trailer, you then got a reveal of what Cheetah will look like. Thoughts? Anything random that just comes to mind about the panel itself? Nothing random. Just uh, it was all right. It was quite good. They seem like a great bunch of people that get on. I mean, we we already know from anything you've seen around Wonder Woman that Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot are good friends. And that kind of family dynamic between the two of them and Chris Pine seems to have spread to include Kristen Wiig and Pedro Pascal as well. So they're, they're quite a funny group of people when they're all together. I like listening to Patty Jenkins talk as well because she tends to just tell it how it is and I like her insights into into filmmaking. It's always quite interesting and she doesn't tend to go too deep into a sort of terminology place that makes makes it sound really boring if you're not interested in the intricacies of filmmaking. There was a lot of love for Gal and Linda. There, there is a, bit, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of love, love for yeah. the, two, the two Wonder Women in the room. Some might say maybe just a little bit too much love. Yes. Well, just they went on a little bit too long. Let's wrap it up a little bit, ladies. <laughs> it's very interesting because they are essentially the only two people to ever play her in live action that people have ever seen. You've got... Um, there was one more. Well, you have got the, the TV pilot, Wonder Woman, whose name I can't remember, uh, even though she's Adrian Pellicky. Um, whew, sorry. Yeah. I often like that though. I thought that was alright. The TV pilot? Yeah. Oh, there's a podcast for another day. Thoughts on the Wonder Woman Scraps TV pilot? Did I think that was alright? I've watched it so long ago. I still have it, so it's fine. We can always watch it again. It was alright, wasn't it? 
well, I'm going to reserve my thoughts for for another for a special podcast discussion on that one. Wasn't it really weird? Like she was a doll maker or something. No, she had uh, she had a multimedia company based around her version of Wonder Woman that made dolls. Because oh, okay. there's that whole scene in the the um, wow, we're getting sidetracked in her uh, like executive board meeting where she's like, no, the tits are too big. Oh, maybe it wasn't all right then. <laughs> I'm just yeah. Don't listen to me. <laughs> anyway, back to the matter at hand. Uh, what did you think of the trailer? Trailer two, finally. Uh, a couple of months after the film should have been in the cinema, with the film now coming in October. How did you feel about the trailer? So, first things first, Cheetah. What do you think about the look of Cheetah? I thought she was very Cheetah-esque. Yep. She had a tail, uh, she had spots. It wasn't too overly CGI. No, I think it really helps that that fight scene takes place at night. I think she. I was a bit worried about her portrayal, because she's very comedic. Yes. But she came across as very badass. So they have talked, and now I can't remember if it was at Fandom or in a subsequent interview, about how they cast her, and that they brought her in and did the usual, like, just sort of uh, script reading, and got that sense of humour from her, and that sense of how she would play Barbara. And then they did, uh, they did further screen testing with her, specifically to see how she could carry off the angry, aggressive side of her, because they had those same reservations. And they only settled, not settled on her, but they only chose her and decided to definitely go with her once they'd seen that she, they felt she could carry that off, which I thought was quite interesting. And I bet she could, I mean, because I think those those types of actors have got really big ranges, haven't they? Because mm. they're so used to doing so many different characters when they're like... The only thing that I can picture is when she's flung across the table in Ghostbusters, pulling the tablecloth off, being like, no, don't, let me go. Let me go. Um, when she's tried to convince the mayor of New York that that ghosts are real. Yeah. I do like her. Yes, she's for the hilarious. Bridesmaid. Love for the bridesmaid. <laughs> Don't sing. I can't I can't get the song in my head. No, it's not coming. I'm too tired. Okay. Other thoughts on the trailer? I might just start. I'll pull a trailer at some point. Okay. It, it gave me everything I wanted from a Wonder Woman trailer. All right. So we've got flying. There was flying. Where is there flying? It's ambiguous flying. Is it? There's a lot of jumping and pulling. I'm True. not sure if she was actually flying. And flinging off lightning bolts. Yeah. A little bit more of that. I haven't seen her actually go, I'm away. We now know that they, what people thought was the invisible jet is not the invisible jet. Well, you could see it. I know, but there was there was some thought that when they're flying through those fireworks, that that's actually an invisible plane. Whereas what we saw in this was a joke about how he was like, oh, nobody will be able to see us when I fly. And she's like, oh, I forgot to tell you, radar. How do you feel about the the level of humour? Because that's quite different to Wonder Woman. I don't know, there was a level of humour in the first one. But very subtle yeah. humour. Whereas this is a little bit more 80s, for want of a better phrase. I don't know if it's just the trailers we're seeing because of put a little bit more humour in it. I wonder if it's more balanced when you see the actual whole finished package. Probably. Because I did like the little nods of humour in the first one with the sword. Ooh, I'll take that for you, madam. Oh yes, of course, on the shield, yeah. And then getting stuck in the revolving door and all that. Yes. Yeah. She'll be sadly missed in this film. Be nice if they managed to work her in somehow as a very old Etta Candy. They could do that. She could age her up. Absolutely. But uh, Lucy Davis, brilliant comedic actress. But a grey highlights. Anything? How do you feel about uh, Maxwell Lord? We get a bit of a glimpse of him that looks like he may have some of his powers from the New 52 era of the comic in this trailer. 
there's a scene of him in what looks like the White House press office. Uh, everything's kind of blustery, windy around him, and he's reaching out like maybe he's got some sort of psychokinetic powers. Or he's just reaching to turn the fan off. Or he's reaching to turn off an incredibly powerful fan. Turn it down from level three. I'm cold. Uh, you don't really get to see a lot of him, really. It's more about no, Cheetah. No, they they're keeping him slightly under wraps, which I think is quite interesting. I don't feel like they're pitching him as some sort of Lex Luthor-style complete psychotic genius, but I do think that they are using him maybe in a similar vein to sort of Lex in some of the Christopher Reeve movies when he wasn't the main villain. That kind of megalomaniac in the background, slightly puppeteering the situation sort of thing. Pulling the string, so I speak. Pull the string! Pull the string! If anybody gets that reference, please tweet me, at Neil Vag. There could be a prize in it for you. Ooh. What were you saying? Did you ask me a question? It was just your general thoughts on the Wonder Woman trailer. Oh, I've said that about three times now. I liked it. <laughs> what would you want from me? What did, what did you think of it? Oh, it was great. It's difficult, isn't it? Because it gets slightly lost in all the things that come after it because it's the film that we knew the most amount about beforehand, I guess. When is it out this year, isn't it? October, it's out next month. Oh, next month. Oh, that's exciting. Yes. Oh, because it's September already. Oh, this has gone. This is it a will quick indeed year. be September when everyone is listening to this. Oh, I've just went out to Mr. Doubtfire voice there. <laughs> oh, hello oh, there, dear. dear. It's been a drive-by year. I, no, I think it's great. I think all of it looks good. There's nothing about it that particularly worries me. I was concerned as to what Cheetah would look like. Uh, plenty of people saying, oh, it looks like cats. Oh, they've got tails. Oh, is the tail in the right place? Oh, she's a bit flexible in CGI. But No, we can quite clearly see her hands have been completed in the, in the render. The thing of it to me is she is it's it's not like the cheetah in the comic books is so human that you could passably do it well with just prosthetic makeup I'm sure you could do some great close ups on bits of her face or hands with prosthetics but it's a tough choice you either get maybe an actress in prosthetics who can't do as much physically on set or you get something that's more CGI that is able to do whatever they necessarily need it to do. And so it's a bit of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. And I was I was happy with the way it looked. I do think, you, well, you can obviously tell that it's augmented CGI, but they've done a, a fight that looks like it's in sort of Twilight Nighttime, which will help to cover some of that up. And I think they've, they've done a good job with what they've tried to do and with the character they've tried to do. So I'm, I'm happy with it. Overall, loved the whole trailer from start to finish. Wilson Phillips, that was the band, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I know the song. I'm just not I'm just waiting for you to get it. I still can't get it in my head. I can see them Dear. dancing in the in the water fountain at the end. Terrible. The arms. Yeah. It's been a long day. You're gonna have to watch Bridesmaids now, aren't you? Oh what a chore. <laughs> Any final thoughts on Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four before we move on to the next panel? No, I'm just very excited and looking forward to it. Yes. And I will have to watch Bridesmaids before we go and see it. <laughs> And the other one that she's in. What's the other one that she's in? She's in Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. She's in plenty of films. Wonder Woman 1984 hits cinemas in the UK and US on October the 2nd, 2020. Well done, you've got a line of it. I've got a little bit. So the next panel was a surprise announcement from Warner Brothers, uh, Warner Brothers Games Montreal. 
they had been well they've been teasing this game for like a year now uh, all this court of the owls style imagery that's been shared on social media and then in the week running up to fandom they had a special unlock on a very random website that um was just like numbers and letters that managed to unlock a map of Gotham City so everyone knew it was going to be a Batman game the 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 thought that everyone had was that it was going to be Batman versus the Court of the Owls and it would adapt that storyline from the comics which was kind of correct but also kind of wrong at the same time so we didn't really know did we as soon as the panel started it just went pretty much straight into a trailer uh, we saw Bruce and then it turned out it was Bruce sending a video to uh, to Dick Barbara Jason and think Tim not Damien, right? Yeah, it's a bit weird because his costume's not quite right, but the R looks like a Tim R. And that was to confirm that Bruce is dead. Then we get a little voiceover that says um, that there's been some kind of explosion in Gotham City and that it's been confirmed that Batman has been killed. Dum dum dum. What? Well, well, where do we go from there? What followed was like a minute and a half long trailer that teased some ridiculous co-op action where you've got uh, Nightwing, Batgirl, Robin and Red Hood all taking over and stepping up to to save Gotham from... We saw Mr. Freeze, didn't we? We didn't really see like a cavalcade of villains. It wasn't like the usual, here's Joker, here's Poison Ivy, here's Riddler, here's Mr. Freeze. So you got you got Mr. Freeze in there, obviously. Um, and then it wound up with revealing that the Court of the Owls is then part of it as well. And they're a little shady organisation that are also part of the storyline. And then we were treated to like 10 minutes of gameplay footage after that. Mm. So what are your thoughts on this one? Now, You're I'm not a big gamer. I'm not a big gamer, unless it's Pokemon. Yep. Um, but I must admit, when I saw that trailer, I thought, just, just have all my money. Just dangling the little carrot of you being able to play any one of three of your favourite heroes from, mm. from the Bat family. I was like, just have it all, just take it. I've resigned myself to the fact that whenever we play the game, I'm going to have to be Batgirl. Don't be like, resign yourself. You love Batgirl. Wouldn't exactly be my first choice of who to play, although she is a wonderful character, yes. Um, But when you've got you sat there going, oh, do I be Nightwing? Oh, do I be Red Hood? Oh, do I be Robin? Yeah, I think I'd have to go for Red Hood. I I suppose that means I can play as Nightwing. You're going to be Batgirl. (laughs) What? Uh, Can you you do a play with other people who aren't in the room? Like a, a like over the Wi-Fi's. Are you suggesting that we would play with the Hulks and that then Nicola can be Batgirl and me, you, and Chris would then be the three male heroes? Well, no, I would still imagine you as Batgirl. <laughs> Thanks. I think I'd have to fight out Red Hood with Nicola. <laughs> okay, okay. So, what was it about the trailer then, other than those playable characters that that grabbed your attention? I think it's the, the playable characters and being able to play in co-op because you've never been able to do that before. No, we haven't had massive amounts of co-op in the games previously. And we've never really had a a true Red Hood in a game either, which is quite exciting. Yep, and being able to be interchangeable members of the Bat family as you play in single player as well. And the Talons as well, which is exciting. That should be really cool to see. Now, this is this is Warner Brothers Games Montreal, so it's not the people that made Arkham... Uh, Arkham Asylum, Arkham City and Arkham Knight. It's the, it's the team that made Arkham Origins, which was still part of that universe this i think because it's a slightly different looking red hood i don't know if this is still in that universe or if we're sort of vaguely branching off 
because the suicide game that we'll talk about a little bit later is still part of the Arkhamverse as well. Or if we're all still playing in one massive, big, familiar sandbox. Mm. I mean, it doesn't visually, it doesn't look massively different. No, I suppose it doesn't really matter in a game, really, does it? No, not hugely. So things that we do know about this game so far... According to the Warner Brothers Games press release, Gotham Knights is a brand new open-world third-person action RPG featuring the Batman family as players step into the roles of Batgirl, Nightwing, Red Hood and Robin, a new guard of trained DC superheroes who must rise up as the protectors of Gotham City in the wake of Batman's death. An expansive criminal underworld has swept through the streets of Gotham, and it's now up to these new heroes to protect the city, bring hope to its citizens, discipline to its cops and fear to its criminals. Players must save Gotham from descent into chaos and reinvent themselves into their own version of the Dark Knight. Features are players in new guard of DC superheroes step into the roles of Batgirl, Nightwing, Red Hood and Robin and shape Gotham's newest protector to create your own version of the Dark Knight. Action-packed original story set in DC's Batman universe. With the Belfry as their base of operations, this is a new era of heroes who will solve mysteries that connect to the darkest chapters in Gotham's history. From its soaring towers to its underground criminal network, embark on rich storylines including face-offs against some of the most infamous DC supervillains, such as Mr. Freeze, who is set on engulfing Gotham City in ice. The Iceman cometh. Explore and fight crime in an open-world Gotham City, patrol the dark streets of five district boroughs in a dynamic interactive Gotham using a variety of traversal abilities and heroic combat moves, as well as iconic bat cycles. From street-level crime-fighting to face-offs with DC's iconic supervillains, save the city from descent into chaos. Unique character abilities and customization. Each hero has unique abilities, gear, weapons, and a customizable suit. Batgirl wields her Melee Tomfer. Nightwing uses his signature Jeweler Screamer Sticks. Red Hood is trained to reach peak human strength, and Robin is expertly skilled in his collapsible quarterstaff. Team up in two-player and online co-op. Play Gotham Knights solo or team up with a friend and combine strengths to protect Gotham City in two-player online co-op. Oh, only two-player. So not four. That's interesting. Well, I suppose it'd be a bit weird. Well, not weird, but awkward to do it. If you're running different directions. (laughs) True, that could get very, very awkward. I just, yeah, it looks great. And it was was the first unexpected announcement of Fandom because we all just thought it's going to be another Batman game and to be fair we were all excited about the fact of, of another Batman game because the the last four have been great but wow just not what I expected at all and, and kind of blown away with that one Agreed At the moment we know it's due in 2021 although we don't exactly know when so we'll just have to watch this space for now Any final thoughts on Gotham Knights? Just take my money Take, take all my money as soon as I can pre-order Okay, next panel. Really interesting one and one of my favourites of the entire night. Multiverse 101. Hosted by Tiffany Smith, who I just... I love Tiffany Smith. She's just awesome. And featuring Jim Lee, obviously, DC publisher, legend. Walter Hamada, who's the head of DC Films for Warner Brothers. And Greg Bellanti, executive producer extraordinaire of the entire CW-verse and... Titans, Doom Patrol, basically any DC TV show has his name on it somewhere at the moment. Really informative panel. I was cautiously optimistic about this one because I had an idea about what they were going to be talking about. And I thought it was going to be really interesting to hear from Walter Hamada because he's been in DC for a little while but isn't really 
an overtly vocal kind of executive from the studio. So you've never heard him come in and say, well, Batman versus Superman was just an utter trash and then Justice League ruined it and then I came on board and we're trying to fix it. Likewise, you've never heard him say, this is what we're planning for the future. So I was really interested to hear from him his idea of what the film universe is doing, what Greg's idea with the TV universe is, and then what Jim's idea is between all of that. And the fact that it was called Multiverse 101 gave me an inkling as to what we were going to get. And I got, I think, pretty much exactly what I was hoping for. A multiverse. Yeah. 101. Yes. You got schooled. No, I think I know what a multiverse is. Thank you very much. Um, But for people like you who aren't so sure as to what's going on. In life or? (laughs) No, in the multiverse. Every day, because I do find myself a bit lost sometimes. No, I meant what the, what I wanted to hear from this was that there's actually a plan going forwards and that part of that plan is what was seeded in Ezra Miller and Grant Gustin's flashes being in the same scene with each other. And you got that? I got exactly that. Would you like to explain it slightly? Um, there is a multiverse. Yes. So uh, you don't need to worry about it anymore. It just happens. Everything's up for grabs. Anybody could appear anywhere at any time. In any version. In any version. Don't stress about it. It's just the multiverse. It was it was really great in the way they did it and the way they pitched it. Because you could just say, well, isn't that just their way of saying if something's terrible, we'll just never refer to it again and it's just part of the multiverse. But actually, it's more than that. It's, it's the acknowledgement... Well, firstly, it's the acknowledgement that they have made missteps in the past. I mean, they didn't need to say it, but it, it's what they... It's what they were basically saying was everything exists and everything is still part of the multiverse, whether it's something that you're still going to see more of or not. But it's that acknowledgement that they, the way they've approached things in the past has not been very joined up between the comics and the film and the TV. And that actually they need to, they need to be more intelligent, but they also need to be more open to creative minds that come to them with ideas that aren't necessarily within the box of what they think they're doing. It's interesting because essentially it could mean that Batman could now crop up in Batwoman. Absolutely. And we have now... I'm trying to think how many Batmans we now have. So in theory, in practice, we have Ben Affleck. Oh, yeah. Who will be in The Flash. We have Michael Keaton, who will be in The Flash which we'll get to next. He is the Batman. You have Robert Pattinson, who is Batman and is absolutely legitimately Batman. Ben Affleck coming back for one film, two films, however many he wants to do, does not negate Robert Pattinson being Batman. You've got Ian Glenn as Batman in Titans, who is also Batman. So that's four. The man who's Bruce Wayne and Batwoman. Technically five. You've got the little boy from the Joker. (laughs) six uh so, so there are multiples and the the crux of that they they talked about a policy which i have always disliked from dc which is the idea that if we want to use something in a film you can't use it in something else so that was the reason that bruce wayne and and to some effect batman was never in smallville it was the reason that arrow went from setting up a suicide squad to immediately killing off an entire suicide squad and amanda waller was this policy and that policy was we want to use it in a film therefore you can't have anything else and that's why so many things went off the table for 
Birds of Prey, the TV series as well. And that, and again, I'm, we're not having that conversation of I enjoy it, you think it's terrible. Uh, I just mean that that was a TV show that was sold to the network on the premise that it would feature Batman villains but not feature Batman. And then they weren't allowed to use them because they were ring-fencing characters to potentially be in the film that Nolan would then develop. And what Jim now said is that is off the table. That is not a thing anymore. You can have Superman on the big screen and the small screen and in a video game and in a cartoon. And it's like saying the audience aren't stupid, which is great. That's exactly what I want to hear. I, I, I don't think that Ben Affleck's Batman is Robert Pattinson's Batman. I don't think two people are playing the same version. And I don't necessarily need it explained to me. I guess there are probably members of the general audience that will find it slightly confusing. But I think it's great that they're able to say, we trust you as an audience member to understand that Joker, the standalone movie by Todd Phillips that's, you know, an Oscar-winning epic, isn't necessarily the same Joker that's played by Jared Leto. They're quite different. They are. I know that, but it's the... Do you get what I'm trying to say? Just don't worry about it. It's just a multiverse. It's just a, just a really like it's fine. Just enjoy it. Just watch it. Yeah. And if you don't understand it, Mulliverse. <laughs> you didn't like that film, Mulliverse. Yeah, it's fine. It was Earth 156. We don't have to go there again. Other little nuggets that came from that one were the fact that the Justice League universe will remain the Justice League universe. They said very specifically that that universe is where Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman exists. That's where Jason Momoa's um, Aquaman exists, and that's where. Ezra Miller will start out The Flash and that's where Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck will be that Batman, Robert Pattinson is a year two story and it's on a different earth and that then if a filmmaker approaches them with an idea that they like that doesn't fit with that Justice League universe, they will approach it as an Elseworlds like Joker they won't just say well that's not in what's our plan right now we can't do that again I think they're acknowledging that people have come to them with ideas that may have worked and may have been great and they've turned them away because it wasn't part of the plan and that agreeing to Todd Phillips' Joker and the success of that has made them realise that actually being multifaceted and allowing themselves to do different things is actually a potential strength for them over the competition, as it were. No need to just have a cinematic universe. Have a cinematic multiverse. Yeah. Have a cross-brand multiverse. Just tell good stories and don't worry about it. Absolutely. Across all mediums. Yeah. I mean, we don't worry about it with James Bond, do we? That man's changed his face more times than Doctor Who. Well, maybe he hasn't. But you know what I mean. <laughs> no, I know exactly what you mean. Nobody um, questions that. No, but I think it's the fact that uh, the other company, that, what are they called again? Well, I don't know, they've been really quiet. They've kind of dis- disappeared, really. Yeah, them. Uh, they, um, you can't argue with their level of success. So it's it's because of them that people look at everything now and go, oh, is this a universe? So Star Wars... Is this a universe? Star Trek, is this a universe? DC, is this a universe? And actually what we're seeing now is Warner Brothers say, do you know what? We tried it, it didn't work. We have a strength that sits somewhere else that's equally as good. And I'm, I'm more than happy with that. I think they really found their way with Crisis. I think that was like their light bulb moment. Oh, totally. That was a eureka, like, oh God, you know what? We could totally smash this. That's why a lot of that panel focused on the genesis of the idea of Ezra Miller and and grant gustin's flashes meeting and i will not be surprised if grant gustin turns up in the flash movie i've got a feeling they want to honor that scene and that moment but also his version of the character for that because one of the first things they said in that panel was look at look if you look at justice league 
Ezra Miller was never called the Flash. No one called him that whatsoever. He learned that he is called the Flash from Grant Gustin's version of the character. So now, because they're honouring that continuity, any time he tells anyone he's called the Flash, anything to do with that, is now purely from Grant Gustin and the TV universe. So they're now intricately linked. It's great. I love it. I think it's brilliant. I think it's perfect for that brand as well. It fits what they do in comic books. It fits the way DC has always been. And hopefully it means great things for the future. And you never know, there might be a crisis again and it brings all of these things together and our minds are just blown. Crisis too, yes. So from there, we dove into the Flash movie, which was kind of more of the same, really. They they didn't have a lot to say or anything to show off particularly because obviously they've not started production yet. They probably should have started production by now if the rumours were true, but were held off by COVID. So they did uh, they did a Flash 101. So we had Andy Muschietti, the director, Ezra Miller and... Uh, Christina Hodson, who uh, I'm surprised there hasn't been more said about her writing this film because she wrote Birds of Prey, which you and I both loved, but you know, it wasn't the success necessarily that Warner Brothers were hoping it was going to be. Although they need, to, they should still be happy with it because it still did incredibly well. So I'm just, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that there wasn't a cross section of the internet that's not like, oh, you brought back the woman who wrote that film. To do another one? Well, no, because I think it, it was a good film. It's just because it was had that funny rating, didn't it? R rating? Was it R? Yeah, it was an, it was top rated. Top rated in America. So it kinda you cut out the big demographic really, don't I you? I think she's gonna be able to write something really fun. So what we did get to see was some uh production excuse me, I'm losing my voice. Uh we did get to see some production artwork and we did get the com- so we got two confirmations, didn't we? We got one hundred percent confirmation that Michael Keaton will be in the film. There will be two Batman... Batmans? That's Bat- men. Batman. Uh, although they didn't talk about Ben Affleck in the panel because that had only been confirmed in the in the period after they filmed the panel between then and Fandome. Uh, so we got confirmation that Michael Keaton will be in the film and then we also got confirmation that The Flash will have a new suit. Now whether or not that is the new suit which was discussed for uh, Justice League or not, I don't know. That wasn't really touched upon. We know that... Ju- um, I'd like to call him Justice Snyder. Uh, <laughs> Zack Snyder had talked about the fact that Barry would get a second suit towards the end of the Justice League movie. Whether that ever came into fruition, I don't know. Um, But he will have a new suit in the Flash movie. And we got to see uh, a really epic piece of production art of him in that suit with Michael Keaton in his full bat suit. Yeah, it was quite clearly Michael Keaton. Oh, I mean, yeah, it completely was Michael Keaton. What do you think of the new Flash suit? I mean, we didn't get to. We've not seen it in full lighting. We've not seen what it, what material it's made of. But what did you think of the the look of it in the production art? I'll be honest. I think I was more excited about seeing Michael Keaton. Back in that <laughs> That's suit. understandable. So it's sleeker. It's it's less of the sort of space suit patchwork armor that he's got in Justice League. You know how it's kind of like a mesh suit with different bits of armor stuck to it. This is more of a of a. I don't want to say generic, but it's more of a classic flash suit. More like a. Unitard. Yes. Is that the word? Yes. Smooth. Yes. Aerodynamic. It's absolutely more aerodynamic, yes. Okay, so you were focused on the Keaton in this scene. I mean, I did see that he was there. I was like, oh my God, that's Michael Keaton. (laughs) And a flash. Take all my money. (laughs) That's the second time they've taken all your money in this podcast. I know, I'm going to be poor. um, What's his name? Are they going to get him to come back? Because that would be a good Batman. Christian Bale? No, not him. 
Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Oh, um, for doing Thomas a Wayne. Point. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, well, that's that is a rumor that everyone is interested in. Jeffrey Dean Morgan himself says that Michael Keaton has stolen his role. So I don't know whether he will be in it or not, but that could just be a good bit of subterfuge and a surprise. Well, I mean, you can never trust him, though. He's a bit of a trickster, isn't he? It has been said that the reverse Flash will not... And this wasn't part of the panel, but it's been said subsequently that the reverse Flash won't be the main villain of the piece and that it won't feature the Atlantean-Amazonian war. It's going to be a little bit more of a personal story about Barry, I think. Okay, I wonder who the, the villain's going to be then. Is it going to be himself? I don't know. Could be. Barry at the start will be set up alongside that relationship that he has with Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne and that he will then travel back in time to save his mum and when he returns to the present day it'll be a, it'll be a different place within the multiverse and his Batman will be replaced by Michael Keaton's Batman. Now whether it will reset by the end of the film or not I do not know. Uh, one can only hope and that will probably be the, the clincher as to whether we see any more Ben Affleck. But the the kind of synopsis logline that they released afterwards says that he will pass through the multiverse meeting different versions of multiple heroes. So who else could turn up? I don't know. Linda Carter. Well, I mean, she was on a panel. She was on a panel. Um, so oh, the, the, I mean, the past, again, the fact that we've just been talking about a multiverse that can feature TV movies from across the ages, it could be anyone and anyhow. He could pass through any of the universes that we didn't get to see in Crisis or any of the ones that we did. We got to see a lot of universes in Crisis. You yeah. make out of Birds of Prey. Yes, they could. We could. They could be back again. Hopefully, production will start soon, and then we'll we'll slowly start to learn more as it films. This is going to be the kind of film that, when it goes into production, it's going to be really difficult for them to keep things secret, because unless they film the entire thing on a locked indoor warehouse set, uh, we're going to see things. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be. I mean, the internet will break. But this is in this suit again. This is why. DC is fairly clever in this situation because when you think about The Batman, which has been filming outdoors in London and Liverpool and different parts of the UK, whenever there's been a sniff of, oh, that's Batman filming, snap a photo, they've released something. So before they did any outdoor shooting with the Batmobile, they released photos of the Batmobile. Before they did any outdoor shooting with the costume, they released that tease of Robert Pattinson in it so that they get to take some kind of control of how we see it first before we see a dodgy press photo taken from like a mile away on a zoom lens so i trust that they'll they'll release things as and when we need to see them before they, we get we get them leaked i'm really hyped for this this is this is going to be a, a pretty major film i think and i'm really excited for the prospect of it now that we've opened up so many prospects very exciting times of the films listed at fandom i think other than the batman this is probably the one I'm anticipating most. Not Wonder Woman? Yeah, mm. but I, I kind of feel like that's here. So I would probably say The Batman is my most anticipated, followed by Flash, followed by Wonder Woman. Yeah, well, but you've not got long to wait for Wonder Woman. Exactly. I, I kind of feel like Wonder Woman is almost upon us. So. And what about Suicide, Suicide Squad? That Deuce? is the next panel on the list. So unless you have any final thoughts on The Flash, we will move on. Let us speed on to the next one. So The Suicide Squad. This was another slightly unexpected panel because I thought we were going to get to see the first footage from the film. And instead we got kind of a, a teaser-ish trailer in terms of a cast reveal and then a five, six minute featurette going behind the scenes. Why don't we first go through the cast list? Because we now know exactly who is playing who in this film. Ready? 
Ready. Are you sitting comfortably? No. You're yawning, so you know. So you have Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, Jai Courtney as Captain Boomerang, Joel Kinnaman as Rick Flagg, Viola Davis as Amanda Waller. So those are the four returnees from the first film. You then have John Cena as Peacemaker, Pete Davidson as Blackguard, Michael Rooker as Savant, Sean Gunn as the absolutely amazing looking weasel, Idris Elba as Bloodsport, Peter Capaldi as The Thinker, David Das Malshane, which I just have no idea how you're supposed to pronounce that, as Polka Dot Man, Daniela Melchor as Ratcatcher 2, Flula Borg as Javelin, Nathan Fillion as TDK, aka the Detachable Kid, or Arm Fall Off Boy, uh, Mei Ling Ng as Mongal, and Alice Braga as Salsoria. That is a big cast. There are other. There's some supporting roles that they announced as well that I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but there was there was a lot of cast announced. Did you say Boomerang? Yes, Jai Courtney as Captain Boomerang. Ah, uh, yes. I wasn't listening. <laughs> of course, you weren't listening. Why would you listen to anything that I say? You said a lot of things. And they did their panel as like a, a quiz. He split them into two different teams. One headed by uh, Viola Davis, and the other uh, captained by Joel Kinnaman. And they, they answered questions about each other in order to score points um, whilst giving away little tidbits of information about the film, which is probably that everyone dies, uh, that it's the biggest film that James Gunn has ever made, and that I think James Gunn has a little chip on his shoulder when it comes to the fact that he was fired by Disney. Yeah, but, you know, he was kind of asking for that in a way. I love James Gunn. I just think he's hilarious. And I kind I This feels really bad because I am one of those people that is defensive of Suicide Squad. I do not think that the version that was in the cinema was the best version of the story that David Ayer wrote, but I find it an enjoyable film and I really like the characters he created in that film. That being said, I've got a feeling James Gunn really gets it. Yeah, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy was a really good film. It was an amazing film. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is a steaming hot pile of turd. We were talking about Guardians of the Galaxy 1. (laughs) And then looking at this, I can see that that sort of comedic, big team, big action is right up his street. Yeah, definitely. And I get that sense from it. And then we got to watch the, the, the behind the scenes featurette and it just looks bat shit flipping crazy. And that's what you want from a Suicide Squad. You want it to be like, what? Yeah. And especially with those Z-less villains as well. He he said that he purposefully like scraped the barrel for the least known, weirdest, most wacky characters. And they just look crazy. I mean, Peter Capaldi, I think of as the Doctor in that crushed velvet, tight jacket, strutting his guitar, being a complete cool kid. And now he's got a shaved head with bolts stuck to him and he's just like the maddest version of the thinker that you could possibly imagine that looks a million miles away from the way they did him on the flash tv series you've got harley quinn basically wearing an outfit from the injustice video games stood on a beach with a little like goggles on her head and a little half leather jacket firing a bloody rocket launcher at soldiers in the in the trees it just looks mad a weasel the practical effects on the, the makeup on that just look completely nuts and then you've got Flulaborg. I do like Flulaborg. He's just, he's hilarious. I just, there, I don't see there's any way in which this film does not work. A lot of talk about who Idris Elba was going to be playing confirmed that he will be Bloodsport. He looks pretty cool and pretty foreboding in that character. John Cena, uh, don't want to mess with him on a bad day, as a kind of poor man's Captain America. 
Well, I mean, after I've seen him in that Nickelodeon film. Burn it down? No. Put it out? I don't know. Something about fire. Yes, that well-known film. Put it out! <laughs> I like that film. He's funny. I know. That's why I'm He's saying. like this generation's Arnold Schwarzenegger. He is a little bit this generation's Arnold Schwarzenegger. I just, run for office. They're an amazing cast. Uh, Alice Braga deserves some sort of redemption after New Mutants, bless her, when she plays the Doctor. Doctor who? The Doctor in New Mutants. Oh, New Mutants. The Doctor. No, not The Doctor. Um, That's that other lady. I don't think there's any casting in this film that I'm not overtly happy with. Do you know what I did notice, though, that I thought was interesting? Yes. That Margot Robbie didn't take... wasn't the focus? No. And I thought that was very clever. Yes, absolutely. She was third or fourth in the list. She was not the central focus of the panel. She is in the the behind-the-scenes featurette a fair amount, but not... I would not say it's imbalanced to everyone else. I wonder I th- if that's in response to Birds of Prey. I mean, James Gunn has said that she's his favourite character he's ever written for, and that he adored writing for her, and she was his favourite person in the film. So don't get me wrong, I'm sure she will be a huge focus, and it's very unlikely that they're going to kill her off. But yeah, she she isn't the central focus on this. There was, there was a nice balance across the board, which I quite liked. And obviously, uh, as DC Fandom was running, they were adding merchandise to the DC Fandom store as well. So there were a number of, of Suicide Squad t-shirts. Uh, there was there was like a plain logo one. And then there were there was one that featured like face shots of the different characters uh, from the like the animated reveal trailer of who they were. And then another t-shirt was blocks that were each of the characters' logos. And she, again, is not central. She is part of the ensemble. She isn't the centre of the ensemble, which I like. I like very, very much. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Really, I think this. We don't really know anything about this film still. Even after watching that panel and that preview, we don't know what it is they're in South America for. We don't know what they're after. Oh, maybe it's been. No, no. It, so this uh, this is something that we need to go back on. We need to look at, which I I have not talked to you about yet. Um, I'm saving it for this moment now, because this will tell me whether you've been reading comics recently or not. Apparently, if you watch it very, very closely, some of those scenes when they're on the beach, the the dead soldiers that are all lying on the ground have got starfish stuck to their faces. Yeah, I've never been reading comics recently. Starro, the original Uh, Justice League villain. So he's got a lot of mini-versions of him, hasn't he? Yes. What was that? That was in... He's been in Justice League a lot recently. Yeah, I've not been really reading Justice League for oh, some reason. Oh dear. Well, apparently you can you can quite clearly see those in, in that behind-the-scenes featurette, so it seems like they it may be Starro that they're after. That would fit with the nuts and it would, the craziness it? of it all. Yeah. Oh, that makes more sense than Bane. It makes more sense a crazy film. In a James Gunn universe. In a James Gunn universe. <laughs> Absolutely. Again, I just don't think there's there's... It sounds really bad. It sounds like such a fanboy thing to say, but I just don't think there's any. Again, there's nothing about this that I'm not looking forward to. Everything that I've seen makes me believe it could be truly great. And when is this coming out? Uh, so this is out next August. The exact release date of the Suicide Squad is the Suicide Squad is released on the sixth of August, twenty twenty one. Oh, so long away. I know it is, but you know it's going to be it's going to be worth it when it gets there. It's going to be it's going to be amazing. I think. Really looking forward to it. But they finished filming. Oh yeah, they finished filming ages ago. Uh, so it's just been a slow process of uh, working on the special effects while they've been in lockdown. So in theory it's it'll probably be finished early next year and then it will just sit in the bank for a little while while mm. they, they hype it up. That, that, and that's not... Um, 
that's not a release date that they've bumped it to because of COVID. That was always its release date. So I'm guessing it's maybe quite visually effects heavy in some respects. Well, they didn't really look like it from what we saw in that behind the scenes clip. Very practical. Yeah. Maybe they'll bring it forward as a little treat. You never know. It's a possibility. Next on the list, the fabled, the legendary Snyder Cut. But we've talked about this a lot already. I we think. have talked about this a lot. So the only thing to really add to this is the the fact that, firstly, Ben Affleck was at the panel. They were only in it briefly, but you had uh, Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill, Ray Fisher, and Gal Gadot. We didn't have Jason Momoa. He was absent from the evening for some reason. And Zach. And they they really just did a, a Q&A with fans and then showed the first trailer. So I think... We have talked about this a lot, especially since the announcement. So the main thing for us to talk about today is that trailer and what we got to see. We got a first look at Darkseid. We got a first look at the new version of Steppenwolf. We got a first look at Desad, another one of the uh, natives of Apocalypse. We got a very different colour palette to the theatrical version. A very different aspect ratio to the theatrical version. And lots of looks at scenes which are familiar but clearly not as they were in the first version so (laughs) it's quite a lot to unpack because it was such a long trailer um was there anything in it that was a highlight for you no and i don't mean that in a bad way i'm just sort of I i still find it fascinating that you can essentially film something and make it something different. And make it completely different by just changing things like the colour and yeah. moving stuff around or taking bits out and adding a couple of bits here and there. It's just uh, kind of fascinating. Having it, not been involved in any of that sort of stuff. True. Yeah. It, it, is, it is really interesting. So one of the scenes that I find particularly interesting is the the scene with Wonder Woman um, when she rescues the school kids. Because we've seen the genesis of that scene in all of the promotional materials from what was clearly a version where she either doesn't rescue them or she rescues them and then the building blows up through to what you see in the theatrical version, which is that she throws the the uh, briefcase with the bomb in it out through the roof and it explodes in the air and no one dies and everyone is very happy. And it's all very colourful and she slides around the floor beating up the goons and all that to what in this version looks like something much more measured and much more... In fact, the scene that you see from that in the trailer is her doing a very, very warm Gal Gadot smile. And it's just, it is, it's very interesting how certain things like colour temperature and just the way you edit a scene can make something completely different. And obviously you have to factor in that Joss Whedon reshot bits, so what we may have seen from the theatrical version may have been like five seconds of Zack's footage, and the rest of it is same location, same actors, but completely rewritten version of the scene. Fascinating. You could do a whole study on that. There you go. I'm sure people have, yeah. Job uh, what do you think of the look of Darkseid? Interesting. He's very fleshy. I don't know if this is... Um, f- obviously, the character design is final. I don't know if this is completely finalised VFX or if this is still work in progress VFX. So I do think there was something slightly uh, PlayStation about it, but I think he looks good. I like the sort of the, the Omega burnt into his chest. Yes, that's an interesting take on his character design, isn't it? Because he's normally got a bit of armour, hasn't he? He's almost a bit like, ooh. Yeah, I always picture him with his with his helmet on. It's got a very particular type of helmet that the character normally wears. 
Interesting that there are more new gods in there. Decide was a surprise. Wasn't expecting to see him. The new version of Steppenwolf looks quite interesting. You saw the scene where he lands in, I'd say, in Amazonia. A little bit where he booms into the... Yes, the, Amazonia. The cave in Themyscira. And he he looks... He does look more formidable, this version of him. He looks... I mean, yeah, okay, he doesn't look as cheap as he did in the theatrical version, but he looks... The, the character design looks more imposing, I think, on screen. Less PlayStation-y. I'm yes, sure. yes. Sure he looks less PlayStation-y and more formidable. Interesting, I felt that there wasn't any dialogue until the very, very end of the trailer when Flash speaks some very ominous words about presumably Steppenwolf or maybe Darkseid. Or both. Or both. Step inside. Step aside. We also got confirmation that uh, Justice League will arrive on HBO Max in four one-hour parts, which I... Personally, I'm strongly against. He did also say that after that, he's working on it also being a four-hour movie that you can watch concurrently as well, rather than just having to sort of stream a, a, a season. But um, I just don't think it's going to work. Do you think they'll drop it, like, one episode a week for four weeks? Oh, or... I'm sure they will string it out, yeah. Or one a month for four months? Yeah, they won't do that. I don't see that they would do that. I think it will be one a week for four weeks, and then either on the fourth week or on the fifth week you'll get a, a movie version as well that you can sit and watch it without having to see like an end credit opening credit I, mean, I just don't yeah. I just don't understand how you can take a wholly written script for a three act film and break it into four three act hour long episodes I mean when I was little I used to watch films in three parts okay so there's a major that. Could you elaborate? Well, I mean, I would like watch, like I would watch Batman Forever, but I wouldn't watch all at once. I would like save it. Like, oh, I'm going to save that. Okay. Like if I was going to my nana's after school. Yeah. I'd have like an hour or so before I got picked up. I would then treat myself to half an hour to 45 minutes of Batman Forever and then eat it out over the week. Hmm. Interesting. A glimpse into my childhood. Interesting. Um, I've never thought about it like that before. I've just always watched films as films. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know. I mean, Zach hasn't asked me how I did that, so I'm assuming he'll have his own way of doing it. I'm sure he will, and I'm, I'm sure he'll make it work somehow. I just wonder whether that's going to impact on the way the film's edited. But no, I'm willing to give him some tips <laughs> from my child. Well, you listening, Zach? Give Martin a call. He will be able to advise you on how best to edit your four-hour movie into... Uh, for one hour episodes well I could probably do it for Batman Forever because that's the one I did it with the most but <laughs> okay I mean I would have a go yes uh, honestly I don't think there's much else to say about Zack Snyder's Justice League because we've talked about it at length before I'm just I'm, I'm excited for it and I'm intrigued to see how it turns out and this trailer has definitely piqued my interest more I think it it's going to be really nice to see him get to fulfil his, his wish with it I just I'm not sure how much more it can do for me when we've got so many exciting announcements of things like the Batman and the Suicide Squad and the Flash going on all around it when is that coming out? we don't know exactly when yet uh, just 2021 Oh, of course. Next year again. It's going to be a busy year next year. Everyone's working from home. They should be cracking this stuff out. Clear your podcast calendar. 
going to whiz through these next three panels because there wasn't a huge amount to say about each of them apart from maybe this first one more than the other two. Uh, Black Adam was up next. So The Rock was on for sort of 10, 15 minutes just talking about that film. There was a quick narrated trailer. So you saw some production imagery uh, which revealed the fact that members of the JSA will be in the film. So we will have um, Atom Smasher played by Noah Centino. There's also uh, Hawkman, who's yet to be cast, and also Doctor Fate will be in the film. We don't know exactly who the villain's going to be, or whether Black Adam will be the villain and they will be the heroes. Uh, Little is known about the story, although we have now confirmed that although some of the origin will be in the past, it will then be set in the present day. I'm going to ask you about this, but you weren't actually awake to see it, but I have shown you it it since. Um, Got any thoughts on Black Adam? Spinning out of Shazam? Um, Not massively. Uh, it's not a character I know a lot about. I've not read a lot of Shazam. I tried, but I never really got into it. Which no, is odd me neither. Because I do like a bit of Greek mythology. Um, I'm excited for the Justice Society and seeing Doctor Fate. I do like a bit of Doctor Fate. Yeah, I thought that kind of appealed to your magical side of the DC universe quite a bit by revealing that. Or just my magical side. Yes, it was a good little. I mean, again, this is a film that's not in production. So when you when you bear in mind that we saw a couple of films here at Fandom that weren't in production, you got some good casting announcements for Flash and you got some pretty stunning production art. And for Black Adam, again, you got production art and they went as far as, you know, basically animating a teaser trailer. So the amount of effort that went into it was was certainly impressive. They've confirmed that they're probably gonna have to push production on Black Adam to next year because The Rock was in the middle of uh, production on another film when COVID happened. So in theory, he should have wrapped that film and be in prep and probably now starting Black Adam, but he has to go back and finish that film first before they can they can film this one. So it's not going to go into production till early next year, so that's why there wasn't a lot to talk about. But still, really interesting. I think it's going to be nice to explore a different side of the DC universe again. I felt like Shazam did that in a way. You kind of dipped your toe into that with um, seeing how Shazam came to be and learning about the, the Seven Sins and... Um, What's he called? I've forgotten the man that gives him his powers. Shazam. He's also Shazam, isn't he? Um, <laughs> old man Shazam. <laughs> I'm very tired. <laughs> it was just, it was a nice exploration of a, of a different side of that universe. And so it's going to be interesting to see them dip into ancient Egypt and then bring that through and push that into what I guess will be Shazam versus Black Adam, which will be Shazam 3 or Black Adam 2. Shazadam. Shazadam, yes. Black Adam is releasing on, I think it's the 21st of December 2021, with Shazam 2 then due for release just only about four months later at the beginning of 2022. So it's it's a pretty tight turnaround in the world of Shazam, Aquaman and, and Black Adam. All three of those films are out in quite quick succession, which will be really interesting to see DC sort of pretty much hogging the box office for a few months. Next up, we had uh, Aquaman, which was a very brief panel with James Wan and Patrick Wilson, who just talked over some of their favourite moments from the previous film. They confirmed that Patrick will be in the next one. It was a shame that Jason Momoa couldn't be there, but it was it was a nice little recap of that film and just a little tease that they'll be getting back to work in 2021, ready for a release date in 2022. That rolled into the Shazam panel, 
which I think was visually my favourite one of them, and I'm really sorry that you missed this. It wasn't worth quite waking you up for, but... Oh, no, you um, don't, don't wake me up. They didn't really reveal anything. So it was it was Zachary Levi and then uh, a number of the kids from the cast who were all just having a conversation, and they were making a joke about how much they couldn't say about the film because they're not even in kind of... I mean, there's a script, and as was revealed in the panel, there's a title, but they're not due to film for probably another six months or so yet, so there really wasn't anything, and they spent most of the panel just talking about it. But the thing that made me laugh was that they were doing it on a Shazoom call. <laughs> get it? Shazoom. Because, you know, we spend all our time on Zoom now that we don't get to meet people in person. Shazoom. But it was funny because you had... So you had Zach Levi, who was uh, was kind of saying, you know, guys, I'd love to be able to tell you some stuff about Shazam 2, but there's not really anything that I'm able to tell you. Um, and so he was he was basically in conversation with Asher, Asher Angel, who played Billy Batson, and Jack Dylan Grazer, who plays Freddy. And then uh, the, the other person that was in it was Faith Herman, who was uh, Young Dala. And so she was like, oh, guys, I can, I'm, I'm just going to like do some drawing while you're all talking away. So whilst everyone's chatting away, um, you had Megan Good, who's the then grown-up version of Dala that was also chatting away. And then um, Adam Brody also dipped in as well, who's the grown-up version of Freddy. But as they were making jokes and cracking away, Faith Herman was like, oh, look, I've drawn this. And the joke was that she'd done like a really amazing drawing of Shazam and then she'd done a really amazing drawing of the cast. And right at the end of the panel, they revealed that she'd drawn like a fake poster for Shazam 2. And they were like, oh my God, is that the title of the film? At which point David Sandberg, who's the director, dropped in and was like, oh shit, guys, we've just given away the title. At which point they revealed that Shazam 2 is called Shazam Fury of the Gods. That's exciting. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it was a piece of harmless fun and probably for the fact that it was on at like midnight and the fact that I'd been furiously tweeting and Instagramming and writing on the website for about five hours by that point, um, I was probably a bit too tired to fully, um, enjoy more than the reveal of the title, but actually I think it was really funny and would have been a great panel for DC fandom kids because Shazam is a kid-friendly movie. You were too busy looking at your phone there, weren't you? Yeah, sorry, I've, I've reached my maximum storage in Pokemon and it's stressing me out. <laughs> nice to know that you are fully all in on this podcast. Well, it's very difficult when you've reached your stores. I mean, you've got to get rid of Pokemon then. <laughs> it's like Sophie's Choice. Absolutely. We have two panels from Fandom left to talk about. We have the Suicide Squad game next, which is from Rocksteady Studios. So this is the people that made all the Arkham games, apart from Origins. And this is what's next for them. So they had revealed a couple of weeks before Fandome that they were going to be doing a Suicide Squad game and that that's what we would be seeing. I uh, thought we were going to get to see a trailer and maybe some gameplay based on what we'd seen in the earlier panel for Gotham Knights. As it turned out, we only got to see a trailer because this game isn't due until 2022, so it's something that they're still working on at the moment. Um, I know planning ahead in advance is is madness. If we have DC Fandom 2021, half the projects that they were talking about at this Fandom will still not have been released. <laughs> but what we did get was a really cool trailer. So we we know so far that it's uh, it's another co-op game or it's a game that you can play in single-player mode. There are four members of the Suicide Squad that you can have currently been revealed that you can play as, so Harley Quinn, obviously, Captain Boomerang, Deadshot, and King Shark. They're all voiced by people that have been playing those characters before in the Arkhamverse, so that they can keep that continuity. And we know that, well, the full title of the game is The Suicide Squad, 
kill the Justice League. Uh, so the only Justice League member we've seen so far is Superman. He appears to be under Brainiac's control because Brainiac's ship is seen in the trailer kind of lurking over Metropolis. And that is who Amanda Waller has sent the Suicide Squad to kill. Again, you were asleep for this panel, so I showed you it afterwards. What did you think of this trailer? Did this... Where did this land in terms of your I'm not really a gamer, but please take my money for Gotham Knights scale? Um, I don't, um, Less hyped. Yeah, I wouldn't... I don't want them to take my money as much. <laughs> I might reluctantly give them some money to play it, but I wouldn't be in a rush. It's always difficult when you don't get to see gameplay from a game because it's very hard to base a judgment on what a game might be like based on cinematic footage. So you could say, wow, that was an amazing cinematic trailer and the game could look like Mario from the NES when it arrives. <laughs> I love Mario from the NES. I would play that. There you go then. Uh, so we don't yeah, we don't know very much other than one one thing that seemed to be really important. Um, so Sefton Hill, who's the, the kind of head developer at Rocksteady, appeared on the panel um, and one thing that he said was very important was that if you've played the Arkham games, they've very much been a, a single-player thing. And they didn't want to take it from a single-player thing to just a co-op. So you can play the game co-op. I don't know if it's a, a four-player thing or whether it'll be a two-player thing like Gotham Knights. But what you're also able to do is play the game in single-player. And what you would do as a single-player is you can switch which members of the Suicide Squad you are. So you could start a level as Harley, realise partway through that actually you need some of the skill of Deadshot so you can switch... Or, because it's fairly open world, you could do a complete mission as Captain Boomerang and then realise that actually there's some stuff that's bonus that you need to scale buildings for or suddenly need a ginormous shark for and switch characters so that you're able to fulfil more of the game's story by by switching around characters. So it sounds like an interesting concept. Uh, I will withhold judgement until I've been able to see some gameplay footage. But again, like everything else from Fandom, I am quietly optimistic that it will be freaking awesome. I can't imagine a situation you need a giant shark for. Listeners, if you can imagine a scenario in which you would require a giant shark, please tweet it to at boywonder1989 because he needs to know. I'll have to get my shark repellent spray out. Oh dear. Right, okay, before you fall asleep or get completely sucked into playing Pokemon, let's discuss the final panel of DC Fandom which started at 1.30 in the morning, by which time I really just wanted to sleep, but could not contain my girlish excitement. The Batman. So we... One of the problems that happened during Fandome was that someone, somewhere in the world, decided to leak quite a lot of the stuff that was being shown at Fandome literally minutes before. So the Justice League trailer appeared online the second Fandome started, and about an hour before the Batman panel, several pictures from the trailer appeared online, and then the trailer itself appeared online. I didn't watch it. I'd seen, I I will admit, hands up, I saw the Justice League trailer a couple of hours before I was supposed to. I didn't watch Batman. I saved Batman for actually during the panel itself. And... Wow. Well, that I nearly woke you up for. I mean, I would have allowed that. As Michael McIntyre says, you should only wake the wife up when it's snowing or a celebrity has died. Um, I feel he needs to add a third criteria to this, which is you can wake up the wife if it's snowing, a celebrity has died, or there is a new Batman trailer. I would allow that, yes. I am blown away by what Matt Reeves is doing with this film. It feels not a million miles away from what Chris Nolan did. 
there is a similar kind of aesthetic, I think, to Batman Begins, more so than Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight, I each one of those films feels like it has a colour to me. So if you think about the marketing for Batman Begins, it was very browns, reds and oranges. If you think about the Dark Knight, it was very murky greens and blues. And then the Dark Knight Rises was very black and white. It was a lot of broken glass and uh, just black costumes against very kind of greys and whites. Uh, and there's a, there's a lot of... I think it's just because of that, the the apartment where, where you first see Batman in the trailer. But there's a lot of browns and kind of reddish earthy tones in that, which makes me think of Batman Begins. Um, that's just me being very weird about colour. I had a point there and I lost it because I got completely wound up in what I was saying. You got lost in the Panatonis. I did. Pantone. Um, but it's a it's a step up. That's what I'm trying to say. Is I think it's a it's a step on from that, and it's a it's a step in a new, very um, psychological thriller, seven almost esque serial killer type storyline, which I'm really intrigued by. Great use of song as well. Had and so again, I'd not seen the trailer, but I saw people tweeting about Nirvana and Batman, and thought, what, what, and then wow unexpected choice of song which was just outstanding I know a bit genius so I love that song absolutely genius and to mix it with the score as well just brilliant um, you, I could talk about it for hours give me some of your thoughts on this trailer takes me back to my grunge days Um, I don't know I mean just take everything I, <laughs> I, mean, I must have watched it about 40 times by now no house blood whatever anything just not give... the cats they can't no, take no, the cats no. well no no not the cats very, okay, so right, let's let's break it down. So starts out with that weirdly twisting Warner Brothers logo to the sound of tape being ripped, at which point you, in the way. <laughs> at which point you see this very uh, proto Riddler as some kind of masked serial killer that's trying to catch Batman's attention. Um, Gordon. Uh, played brilliantly by Jeffrey Wright clearly not a big fan of Batman Batman appearing out of nowhere and trying to understand the reason behind these serial killings and then it's just a complete menagerie of here's Catwoman here's some of Gotham City here's Colin Farrell completely unrecognisable as the Penguin not Colin Firth no not Colin Firth and then Batman completely wailing on someone with a very clown-esque bit of makeup. It's just the Batmobile with a blue flame out the back of it. I just... Well, it's too much for my tiny little mind to handle. You've it's got that man from EastEnders. That man from EastEnders as... Um, the, the other man. The commissioner. It's just... Well, it just... Or the mayor. Somebody in charge above Gordon. It's just... There's so much in the trailer for a film that Matt Reeves then said they've only shot 25% of. It, yeah, it's just madness. It's almost like, oh, this is really good. Oh, this is really good. Then you get the fights and you're like, oh my God. It's a very, very brutal Batman. I feel like it's the Batman we've always wanted. I would be surprised if anybody is still a naysayer of Robert Pattinson after seeing that trailer. Apart from maybe his emo-ish hair. Um, oh, I mean, I'm, I've got no complaints against that. <laughs> okay. Um, he just, he yeah from what we've seen of him he just seems to embody Batman incredibly well which is not something that I would ever have expected to say from someone that was in Twilight uh, he just he has an amazing presence in that trailer and yes there is a whole movie that he needs to carry but certainly in terms of this footage I feel like he's done it 
And I was quite concerned about his ability to do that. But after seeing this and, dare I say it, seeing this performance in Tenant. Yes. I'm not worried about it anymore. Has he rented a flat? Yes, he's rented a flat in my heart. <laughs> it's Tenant, not Tenant. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> That's a story for the next podcast, your feelings on that film. <laughs> Was there anything that you were wanting to see in this trailer that you didn't? No. I didn't think you'd see as much as you did either. We didn't get to see Alfred, I suppose, which was interesting. You, uh, you, you heard you him, heard didn't him. you? Yeah. You had a good, all right, Master Wayne. <laughs> Catwoman, interesting. Almost similar in a way to The Dark Knight Rises in that she's not Catwoman yet. But much better not Catwoman yet. I forgot you're not a big fan of Anne Hathaway, are you? I don't mind her, but I just felt that this was a... I don't know what it is. I think it's her music. In that film, I just feel a bit cheesy. Okay, yeah, understandable. But this just feels very dark, very noir. Very noir. Well done. Very um, Batman Arkham Knight there, sort of anime short story. Oh, uh, Gotham Knight. Gotham Knight. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Well, you think if you think of his costume, it's very much like one of yes, the shots from that. Yes, it is, isn't it? You think of some of the dark storytelling. It's all. It feels very much. Like the costume that. looks really good in practice as well. I mean, when we saw some of those first, again, unofficial set photos, I thought it looked very interesting. Um, not necessarily in a good way. I don't understand the the gauntlets with the like almost little, like crossbow arrows on them but actually in practice it looks great there is so there's a shot in the trailer where you see batman being thrown backwards by an explosion in the church that funeral scene there is now a, a plenty of rumor that actually that costume will be destroyed in that and by the end of the film he'll have something sleeker um well i mean it's year two so we're, yep. we're early on so we're not begins the way we're talking about this is that he is people know who he is in, in that there's a vigilante in the city he's making a name for himself there aren't a million supervillains walking around but they're they're all again in some sort of level of development and on their way to being supervillains and that he everything that he has and he does is to look very much like bruce did it himself because this is still himself making himself before he becomes the hero that we know he will become and we can see that with the riddler because he's he's kind of green but he's not yep. like jim carrey i mean that to me I don't. I must have seen Paul Dano in something because he's a very familiar face. But I. Maybe it's too early to say this, but I feel like he's about to do for the Riddler what Heath Ledger did for the Joker. Possibly. I mean, you don't, we've not really had a really true psychotic y Riddler before, have we? He's no, so it's interesting. I mean, in a way, it feels like this is almost skirting around territory from Gotham, the TV series, but done in a, in a much more well contextualised, noir way. Yeah, and better. I'm I'm not trying to slag that off. Multiverse, remember, this is it's I know you didn't really enjoy it, but that, that show fit a purpose in what it was doing. It was an Elseworld story of of what Gotham could have been like. I feel like this is doing that in a much more direct from the comic book sort of way. It's interesting you say that because when we talk about the multiverse or you see people talking about the multiverse, they don't really talk about Gotham. It's a shame. I think it I think it is a underrated version of, of that universe. I think it's one of those th- situations where it's strayed so far from canon that people fail to, to underst- not understand, but fail to acknowledge it for telling an original story. I think it started strong and then it got a little bit crazy for me. 
in that vein, but we're veining off here. So uh, let's pull it back. To no, no, no. There's a, there's a point to this. Um, in that same vein, Matt Reeves confirmed that he is working on a series for HBO Max, which is about the GCPD. Of course, uh, yeah. and that is going to be a year one story. So uh, Batman is in year two, and the the TV series will go a year before the film, and we'll talk about some of the cops. So I'm going to guess it's not going to be a TV series they're going to plan to run for years on end. Um, is going to tell a story that's very much based within Batman's first year. So it will be about the corruption within GCPD. It will be about the street-level crime that's going on at the time. It will be following... Uh, I don't well, They didn't name names, but it will be following you know some, some white knights within the, the very corrupt Gotham City Police Department as, in the background, there is uh, you know a vigilante story which is coming to, to the fore. So whether Robert Pattinson will be in that or, or what, Batman's involvement will be remains to be seen but as you're seeing a story unfold very much within the GCPD in the background they'll be hearing the first kind of bits of information about there being somebody else out there that's fighting crime. That'd be interesting. I'd watch that. <laughs> You'll have no choice but to watch that. I, I literally cannot wait. When's that coming? Uh, I, I don't know. There's no there's no news on that one yet. When's the Batman? So it is currently set for release on October the 1st, 2021. Oh, it was originally so scheduled for June the 25th, but it's been pushed back to October just to allow them a bit more time to be able to complete it. So you'll have the Suicide Squad first. It's so far away. I mean, I don't know if I can wait that long. Just think about it this way. You're going to go into a position where you're going to get uh, the Suicide Squad... Well, you're going to have Wonder Woman first and then you are going to go into a kind of 12 to 24 month period where you're going to get the suicide squad the batman black adam aquaman 2 and shazam 2 so and actually in that period you're also going to get justice league on hbo max so you're, you're going to get oh. you're going to get seven no sorry six dc films in a very short space of time so it you're about to you're having a, a kind of a quiet period now before they go do you know what we are back and we really, really mean business. It's quite realistic of 2020 being the year of bad things. Yeah. And the year that never really happened. To then have a million very good things. And then have a million things in 2021. To be Absolutely. Like, Rock! Way! There were also panels for The Flash and Titans. Uh, that's the Flash TV series. The Flash TV series showed off a trailer for season seven, which is made up of footage from the uh, the final three episodes that they filmed for season uh, six, but they weren't able to air. It looks it looks interesting. I did enjoy what the Flash did with season six, so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how they use that footage to try and start season seven. But they've got to deal with the leftover Mirror Master stuff that's going on and save Iris from the Mirror Universe. The Titans panel confirmed that um, Jason Todd will return in season three as Red Hood. Thoughts on this? I don't know. I'm a bit anxious. So the Titans are going to partly relocate to Gotham City, where they're going to fight. Uh, they're going to find some version of Jonathan Crane. They're also going to meet a new police commissioner in Barbara Gordon. And what Titans is doing is trying to pair up a new vigilante hero in Nightwing with a new Commissioner Gordon in Barbara. So Barbara and Dick will be facing the the kind of the ghosts of their parents. Their parents being Bruce and Jim. I mean, I can kind of, when they first told me, I was like, oh God, they're going to ruin it and they're going to do it all wrong. And is he a bit too young? But I've had time to digest. Okay. And I've realised it because I do follow him on Instagram. And he's really going for it. Is he? He's like properly hitting the gym. And whenever you see him, he's like, he's always, I would say, tweeting bits on Instagram. 
Yeah. How old am I? Instagramming. He's also Instagramming, like, I'm not going to let you down. He's really buffed up. He's like twice the size he was this time last year. Wow. Um, I mean, fair play to him. I mean, he, he does really take the character seriously. I was going to say, he's very young. Karen Walters is very young, and he was... I mean, if you look at his first appearance in Titan Season 1, he was very young. But he he has always seemingly taken it very, very seriously. And and I appreciate that. And I appreciate that it's... Titans is, again, telling a story that's not exactly how it happens in the comic books. And so I, I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm intrigued to see what they're going to do. Now, you say that. But? But in the Jeff Johns run yes. of Teen Titans, yes. Retro does come back and terrorise the Titans. Okay. So he did, there was a, I think it's an episode or two where he comes back. An and issue. He, and he has a, an, an issue, yes, yeah, sorry, an episode. It's an episode in my mind. And he does have a bit of a to-do with Tim. Oh, okay. Uh, as Tim is There the is talk that Tim has been cast for season three as well. So I wonder if they're going to do some sort of, like a time jump maybe, where we jump a year or two years where he's died off scene. And then he, and Tim's been, he's worked his way in. Tim is the new Robin. Yeah. And then he comes back to to be like, well, you've just replaced me. Potentially, yeah. Uh, there's, there's so far that they can go with that. And they also obviously need to deal with Raven going to Themyscira with the body of um, of Donna and how that unravels as well. I mean, that wasn't touched upon at all in the, tra- in the, in the panel. Although there are, they've announced that both of those panels will appear again at the, the second DC fandom in September. Oh, sorry, later this month. Um, but... That both of them will be extended, so there'll be more in in both of those panels when we see them again. So you never know; they might touch on that. And when does they've not started filming yet, have they? Nope. So we won't be getting that this year like we would normally. We'll get that next year sometime. Twenty twenty, the year that never I was. Know. The year that ruined all our favorite DC shows. Well, I'm excited. I wonder what his costume going to look like. Is he going to have the helmet? Are they going to go for the more the newer look with the little half face mask? Oh wow, that could be interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Is he going to have the red emblem? Oh, so many questions. Is yes, he going to have time to go away and train under Descartes in the Old Castle and get the the League of Shadows and the Lazarus Pits? Oh, it's too many questions. Well, and do they write in Joker and does he get killed? I'm guessing not because he's just disappeared off. So I'm going to presume they're going to write around that, sadly, but... You still, never know. It could happen all happen all off screen. We could still, have a time yeah. jump. Still plenty of ways to make it work. So that's going to be that's going to be really interesting. But yeah, I guess we're not going to see that till probably if they manage. To, if optimistically, if they start filming it in the next month or two, we might get it in April, May next year. If not, it'll be summer. We may be looking at a year till we have any new Titans. Probably slightly less. That's sad. That's all of which sad. brings us to the end of DC Fandom. I thought this was going to be like an hour-long discussion, and we're currently recording at around an hour and 35. It has been a long one. Any final thoughts from you on the success or lack thereof of DC fandom? I wouldn't say there was a lack of success. I would say I'm emotionally drained. <laughs> Talking about it again has reminded me how tired I was at watching the whole thing. I do feel like there's so much good stuff happening, but it does seem a million miles away. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not really. It's just because this is a very long year. Absolutely. But we've got Wonder Woman, so... There's always Gal Gadot. There's always Gal. She will <laughs> always cheer you up. I think I just... I'm As somebody who says they were born and raised on DC, which I, I am, to all intents and purposes, I was just really proud of what they were able to do because it wasn't... 
like anything else I've seen in terms of, you know, I've attended a couple of virtual film festivals now. We watched plenty of panels from Comic-Con at home and this wasn't any of those. This was much more of an immersive event beyond that from the way Jim had drawn the set to the way each of the panels was, as in panels, as in video chats, was designed. It was just, it was a wholly original, unique experience. It was DC does Eurovision. It was DC does Eurovision, as you say. Without the singer. And so, I mean, considering they'd had a very difficult couple of weeks going into that as well, with the announcement of the layoffs at Warner Media, I mean, popular opinion on DC was on the turn towards being a wholly positive narrative going into Fandom, and then that was a major speed bump at, at the 11th hour. And then, obviously, they announced the news that they were splitting the event in two, um, and which actually is, I think is really important to say when they announced that they were splitting it into Hall of Heroes and then the the, the multiverse, which is the the event that's happening on September the twelfth. Um, there were a lot of people that said, "Oh, they're just this is just them making sure that the website isn't going to crash because uh, they don't have the technology and this is a complete disaster to do this at this point in time with only a week to go." And actually, I'm sure part of that decision was based on the amount of people they saw putting together a schedule and the amount of people that were doing that and what those people were going to see but not once during the entire eight hours that I sat watching that first event did my in fact it it froze once during the Batman and that is the only time I had any problem with streaming it whatsoever there was there was none of that oh my god I can't get in none of that it's just not working or it's playing really slowly or it's not streaming at full quality it was hands down from start to finish an excellent experience so fair play to the not just Jim and everyone from the front end and all the talent that appeared on it the you know the people that edited it the people that put it together because they only filmed it two weeks before it was all filmed within a two-week period of its of it airing that's a huge turnaround for an eight-hour content block if I had a hat I would take it off I mean, it takes me like four hours just to, you know, record, then edit this podcast and get it uploaded now. <laughs> Imagine if I had to do eight hours. Oh, Terrible. It'd be unbearable. So I just, yeah, I, I think it's important to say hands down, amazing experience and fair play to them for the for the viewing figures that they've had for it as well. It's very, very exciting. And we get to do this all again on September the 12th when we get a create your own on-demand experience that covers the rest of DC from cartoons to TV to comic books and everything else in between. So we have another important piece of DC news that we just need to cover off before we wrap up episode 40 of the Geico podcast, which is the release of Superman Man of Tomorrow, which is available now on digital platforms and is available on DVD and Blu-ray from September the 7th. This animated film sees a much younger Superman, uh, voiced by Glee's Darren Chris, taking on a trio of villains in uh, Lobo, played by Ryan Hurst, Parasite, who is voiced by Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s Brett Dalton, and Lex Luthor, voiced by Zachary Quinto. It also uh, stars the dad from the middle as Jonathan Kent, wonderful piece casting, and uh, Alexandra Daddario as Lois Lane. We were very, very lucky in that we got to interview the absolutely adorable Tim Sheridan, who wrote this film. He also uh, wrote The the Death of Superman and Reign of the Superman animated films, which came out last year? Year before? 
I I no pass- idea of the passage of time. Uh, but he wrote both of those films as well. He is an avid Superman fan and a huge DC fan. Uh, I'm also very proud to say that he's a big Batman fan, um, which you'll notice from a couple of little nods in this film. But I got to sit down with him and have a chat about this uh, wonderful, wonderful film. So have a listen to what he had to say. Let's go. Hi, Neil. Okay. Hey, how are you doing? Good, 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 good. What's up? Thanks for taking the time to speak with me today. Um, congratulations on the film. I have to say, I've watched it twice, and I've just signed up to do a watch-along with Sci-Fi Now on Thursday, so I can watch it again for the third time. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. I, you know, you probably know it better than I do. <laughs> well, I'm guessing well, I'm it's... i ask you some questions, Neil. Oh, oh, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> Put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm guessing it's probably been a little while since you uh, since you wrote it. So, um, tell me a little bit about developing the story for it and how it kind of came about. Well, you know we, you know we had worked so, so Butch Lukic uh, and Jim Krieg, uh, the producers, and I had worked together on a show called Justice League Action. Yep. Uh, and uh, was you know which is a highly underrated show as far as I'm concerned. Oh yeah, I, I totally I agree with you. Um, yeah, it's a fun, really great show, and I, I think um, uh, so. So, and that that has Butch's and Jim's sensibilities all over it. That show, and and I came in at the end of the season and wrote some episodes, and we just really clicked right away. I mean, it it seemed like I sort of fit right in with where they wanted to go with that show. Amazing. So, you know, we had a lot of fun doing that, and then when the opportunity came for us to do a movie together. Um, you know, happily, uh, they brought me in and the three of us sat down and started talking about, you know, we, we got to do that amazing thing that most people don't get to do was to, we got to sit down in a room, uh, and, and get to say, okay, well, what kind of Superman movie do we want to make? Yeah. And we were all on the uh, same page right away. We were all such huge fans of, you know, the, the, you know, Richard Donner movie and of some of the specific stories throughout throughout you know that we've seen in comics now you know jim and i worked on an adaptation of reign of the superman years ago and um you know this was very different this was going to be a very different movie from the beginning but it was certainly the the sensibility of doing it like a a smaller character piece really really getting into the mind of of clark uh, of kal-el um you know that was where butch wanted to go it's where jim and i wanted to go too it, and you definitely went there as well. I mean, the I love the fact that we went back to that kind of uh, slightly geeky, slightly awkward, very introverted version of Clark, where he's spending so much of the narrative trying to figure out, you know, he, he knows he has this power, but he's trying to figure out what he's supposed to do with that and how he's supposed to help people with it. It's it's great to see it stripped back to that kind of level of the character and see him from an earlier standpoint than, than where we're used to seeing him. Yeah, he's he's figuring it out just like we all do when we're that age, when we've left yeah. university and we're you know we've got our first apartment and you know it's who who what kind of man am I going to be tomorrow? I mean that's kind of where where his head's at when we meet him in this movie. So um, so yeah, that was that was I have to say right right from the beginning we knew that's where we wanted to go. What's funny about it is the idea of titling it Man of Tomorrow didn't come until later in the process, even though we were circling it from the very beginning. It sounds like you were, it yeah. Was so, yeah, it was so, it was so essential to what this story is uh, that uh, I can't believe it, it didn't hit us on the head from the beginning. <laughs> How did you decide <laughs> on using Lobo and Parasite? How, where did they come into it? What was the, the kind of inspiration behind those two? Well, I'll tell you, the first thing was we knew we were doing 
a story about early days in Metropolis. And we had we had a meeting and we had another writer who came in, was happened to be in the meeting with us, was a, a good friend who who um, who said, uh, you know, when we were talking about sort of this act two of Superman's life in Metropolis, this writer said, um, you know, there, there's this, there, there, there are books that, that, that explore that. One of them, um, you know, which I think people have mistakenly thought that we really based this movie on, but we didn't, uh, was, but was American Alien. This yeah. writer mentioned that and Butch hadn't read the book. He read that book and sort of when he read that book, it gave him the idea. He said, you know what, we really should do. Lobo in this movie. He Butch is a big fan of Lobo. Butch uh, got to work with Lobo, I think, on Superman the Animated Series, um, and so so that was you know it, it became sort of like oh he's a he's a great foil for for Clark. And w- when I heard that, I said yes, I'll tell you why because he represents you know this this man of yesterday. He represents this sort of boorish misogynist terrible outmoded way of being a person <laughs> that's lobo and uh superman is something different he's a man we aspire to be more like he's the man we want to be tomorrow yeah. so it made sense thematically for that uh also being the last of his his kind just like clark it made a lot of sense yeah definitely. Um, parasite for me it was a very it's, it's it's a very basic thing which is you know when you have somebody as powerful as superman who can you easily quickly understand is a threat to him and his power set. And Parasite's always been, you know, a very easy way into that. It's like, well, somebody, so you have a lot of powers. Well, somebody who can take away those powers becomes the most important uh, antagonist uh, in your life. Uh, and I think that, that that was sort of where we were from the beginning. And then we tried to figure out how we were going to make that story work. I'm not going to get into too many spoilery details, but I think <laughs> what we tried to do was play against what you expect from you know parasite's story yeah and look at him and kal-el sort of in a different way i think hopefully you come to realize just like you know the people of metropolis you come to realize maybe you're looking at things through a different lens definitely yeah and I'm really intrigued by uh, this version of Lex Luthor as well. I mean, you've obviously, you've written him before with Death and Reign of Superman. Um, so I was wondering how you kind of approached this version of Lex differently. I really like how he was kind of woven into the story as more of a kind of background character at this point. I was, I, somebody asked me about this recently, and I started thinking about all the different versions of Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor may be the character that I have written more than, than you know than any other character who has had different actors uh, play. <laughs> oh, we will role. have been on Justice League action uh, as well. Yeah, we have Justice League action, Reign of the Superman. I also wrote a, a a magazine piece that was an interview with Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor oh, in the wow. lead up to to uh, to to Batman v Superman, and so I got to really explore sort of the voice of the Jesse Eisenberg uh, wow. uh, Lex Luthor as well. So so Lex Luthor has been you know circling me for a while now. <laughs> That's worrying. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's terrifying. Um, but uh, you know, for for my money, I I came in and I said, look, we we all know, you know, who Lex is. We're not going to pull the wool over anybody's eyes here. So let's. Let's accept that everybody understands who Lex is right out the gate, and uh, you know, and and then and then see sort of where the story takes us in the way that we've watched happen in the great canon of 
Superman comics, you know, but by now everybody gets Lex Luthor. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, so, 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 so to see, um, you know, to see him the way we understand him and then sort of play against that much the same way that we play against what you expect from the, you know, par- Parasite. Um, you, you know, we just sort of, we, we sort of pulled at those threads a little bit and kind of challenged what you think you know about those characters. Yeah. And what was it like then hearing uh, Zach Quinto when you first heard kind of his dialogue back, reading your words out? <laughs> well, you know, I'm not, I don't want to play favorites, but I'm going to. And <laughs> say that I was, I was bowled over. You know, Zach, I call him Zach, like as if we're best friends. Uh, Mr. Kinto has <laughs> such a, a, an incredible vulnerable quality to his, 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 his work that it, it just shines through, even in his voice work. Yeah. Where that, and when I talk about playing against what you think, you know, you're, you're going to get from the character. You know, we saw that when he played Siler, you know, and I think we get it from Spock too, where, you know, he's, there, there is something extra there uh, where we, we can identify a little bit with, with Lex Luthor. We can sort of feel for him and with him. And I think that's all a dude. It's not due to anything I did. It's completely due <laughs> to uh, what Mr. Kinto uh, brought to the role. Yeah, I agree with you. He does his, I mean, you, you can tell that it's him. You can hear that it's him, but it's so kind of beyond his natural speaking voice that you, I, after kind of thinking, oh yeah, you know, there he is. It, I was completely taken away, and it was just Lex Luthor. It's it's amazing. Yeah, it's just that the subtlety of it, the nuance in it is. Um, it, it's you know, I, I I rave about this whole cast. I, I can't believe yeah. we have the level of talent that we have in this cast. It is and, an amazing cast. Um, no, we're just so lucky. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. And so you know, he's 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 um, you know part of that 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 great new standard, I think for for how we how we see these characters played any one of them could play these characters in live action uh you know there's there's uh you know there you you can see it yeah. <laughs> you just picture them you can see it it's amazing. i mean that that uh, speech that clark gives um in front of parasite to the people on the bridge in in the third act is just so emotional darren chris plays it amazingly yeah i listen i you know I don't know how I can gush about Darren <laughs> Chris anymore. <laughs> I, he, to me, is, you know, and I, I got to work with, you know, Jerry O'Connell was fantastic and is such an amazing guy. Yeah. And uh, we, we worked with him on Reign of the Superman. And, um, and you know, I, but but Darren, you know, to, to play Superman at this time in his life, Darren was absolutely the perfect choice. And he makes it his own. And I think not even by the end of the movie, but you know, two, one scene into the movie, you're like, oh, okay, great, this is super. Absolutely, like I, absolutely. I'm on board. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's funny, isn't it? I mean, living in the age that we're in now, as soon as a casting piece of information or a first still image come out, people immediately have an opinion based on on not even hearing the final product or seeing the final product, and then. I think absolutely anybody who goes into this film thinking, you know, why Darren Chris is going to be bowled over within that first few minutes because he just, he has the vulnerability, but then he has the strength of Superman as well. And it is just, it's, it's brilliant mm-hmm. casting. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I, I'm a big Darren Chris fan. I think he can do anything. <laughs> so I was very, very happy <laughs> when I found out he was willing to, to, to put on the cape. Now I know we don't know what's next 
and whether there'll be another film with this Superman or what you know what will be next. But if you were to get to continue the story of this version of Superman, have you got any idea about where you'd like to take him next? Oh, well, I can't, you know, I mean, look, I can't obviously talk too much about, <laughs> about sort of where other movies in the future, other projects, I'm basically because I'm under so many non-disclosure agreements about everything. Well, we only uh, want you writing life, Superman at this point. These characters. <laughs> um, there's a lot of great people uh, who write <laughs> Superman. So, um, you know, no, not, nothing against them. I, I personally, I would just be thrilled to get to come back into this world and uh, and tell some stories. I mean, I, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be amazing to see Darren Chris's Superman uh, in you know battling you know sort of cosmic forces yeah. that you know in this movie is not sort of what this movie's about, but you know is a place where we know Superman goes in his life and career. Um, I think it would be fascinating to see uh, you know to check in with with Darren's Superman at a later time in his life. But you know, hey, if anybody wants me to do that, they they know how to reach me. <laughs> Hopefully, they're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. <laughs> okay, last question for me. So, uh, what's what's next for you? What are you working on that you're able to tell us about? I'm sure there's plenty of things that you can't tell I, us about. Yeah, I can literally tell you about nothing. Actually, <laughs> I can I can quickly mention that and you know that I that I did get to work with uh, uh, my friend Kevin Smith on the Masters of the Universe Revelation series. Oh, the Netflix series next year, but. Yeah, but um, but yeah, so that's that's um, so that's that's a big thing that's on the horizon. But one of the few things that's been announced uh, that I can actually uh, talk about. Otherwise, it's all you know. You're in non-disclosureville. <laughs> like I, can't, I can't, but rest assured, uh, you won't you won't you won't see me shutting up for a little while. I've I've got more to say. So there's there's some stuff coming down the pipe. Good, good. Okay, well, thanks for taking the time to speak to me today. It's been it's been great. It's really nice to speak to you, and I hope this film is the, the really huge success it, it deserves to be. Okay, so uh, I want to ask you first what you thought of this film. I'll be honest. I wasn't a massive fan of the trailer. No, I you was, were one uh, of those people that wasn't too keen on the new animation style. I wasn't a keen on the animation style. I wasn't a keen. I wasn't keen on the animation style, and I was a slightly dubious of Darren Chris and <gasps> Superman. Shocking. Okay, so how did you feel after watching the film? I was pleasantly surprised. He is a brilliant Superman. He's a really good Superman. It really works with it being a young Superman. And the artwork and the animation style, I uh, didn't mind it that much. It takes a bit getting used to, doesn't it? It's very different from what we've been used to over the Justice League series of films. And it remains to be seen whether this is going to be like a new universe that starts here or whether this is going to be a one-off and this is something that will, you know, like the art style will change. Um, I, I'm i not sure how I feel about the design of Metropolis. I think it's quite sci-fi. Yeah, That's my, probably my biggest issue with the film. I couldn't quite place it. Is it the future, but it's not the future, but yeah. it's sci-fi. Is it an island? Is it not an island? It was a very sprawling cityscape, but the cars and the tech were all very normal. But the the kind of the shapes and sizes of buildings all seemed a little bit futuristic. But you know what? It does a good job of setting it apart from the universe that came before it. So Very new frontier. Yeah, yeah. Well, I will tell you that I gave this film an 8 out of 10, and I said, With Superman, Man of Tomorrow, the dawn of a new age of heroes arrives with an important message, bombastic action and oozing style. Bombastic? Yeah, because the the action in this film is pretty in-your-face. I mean, Lobo is pretty in-your-face. And I just 
I mean, butt naked Superman having a random fight with Lobo. It's very, it's very punchy. It's very loud, and it's very, it, it doesn't hold back. Bombastic. Yes. Isn't that a song? Yes, Mister Bombastic by Shaggy. I remember it well. I really liked it. I think I actually I took to the animation style really, really quickly because I. I, oh, we've talked about this before, haven't we? <laughs> we talked about this in the previous podcast when the trailer came out. Uh, I like the uh, I like the clean lines, but actually, when you when you oh god, you're going to start talking about pop art styles and no, I'm tired enough as it is. I'm not. Hello. What I am going to say is though, when you get when you get to watch it in the full film, um, the kind of ninety ninety four minutes, however much it is, film, uh, it's. I think it's really emotive. I think the the mouths and the facial expressions are a lot more emotive in this style than they were in in the style that's seen in the previous films. I just don't pay as much attention to that stuff as you. No, I know. Yeah. I, but I love all that stuff. I, I mm. like watching it and kind of looking for the minute detail like that. And there's there's a lot to pick up on in this film. Yeah. But I do... I, it's, it's easy to say that I could be biased because I chatted to Tim about it and he was such a lovely guy. But I just... I really enjoyed this film from start to finish. I think it's a really interesting story. Like I said in my review, which you can read in full over on the website now, which is www.getyourcomicon.co.uk... I think there's an important message. You've got Martian Manhunter and Lobo and Superman who are all the last of their kind and are all essentially refugees. And there is the idea of human xenophobia in there as well as them learning to accept themselves in the new surroundings that they find themselves in. So there's, there are some really important messages that are underpinning a kind of a big action story at the same time. I just think it's it's well written, incredibly well acted, and uh, and just uh, a, a joy to watch as most of these DC films are. What would you score it if you were to give it a score out of ten? Um, what do you think I would score it? I think you would score it a seven. That's what I was going to say. Hey, it felt it felt like a seven for you. It, uh, yeah, I'd give it a, a strong seven, a stable seven. Would you like to see more of this universe if I, they were to flesh this out? I don't know. Um, I don't know. It would have to be a, a good story. Like more Superman or somebody else? Uh, well, I think there's definitely more that can be told with this Superman, but um, I'm intrigued by the, the one still shot we saw of Batman and how other characters might appear in this version of the universe. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm open. Okay, well, um, if uh, if Gary or anybody at Warner Brothers Animation is listening, I am absolutely game. I am I am ready for more of this version of this universe. What's the next animated film? The next animated film is Batman's Soul of the Dragon. Ah, that looks good. Oh, actually, no, sorry, I'm lying to you. That's the next. Uh, that's the next full feature. Um, the next the next actual animated release is uh, Batman: Death and the Family, which is shorter. Oh yeah, so that's not like a new film. That's. Uh... I don't actually know how long it is, but it's it's not a full length feature. I'm excited for that because that's a good old under the red hood. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. So if you want to read my full review, as I said, it's over on the website now. But go check out Superman: Man of Tomorrow, available now on digital platforms, and as I said before, it's coming out on DVD and Blu-ray on September the seventh from Warner Brothers. It's um, it's it's a breath of fresh air in the DC animated universe, I think, and hopefully is a sign of more great things to come. And then go check out the uh, the preview of Soul of the Dragon that's on there because it is uh, an interesting one. And I'm again, that's going to be an interesting one to talk about a seventies set Batman like martial arts feature very much looking forward to it don't forget it's got Mark Dacascos in it I do like Mark Dacascos exactly all of which brings us to the end 
of our DC Fandom Superman Man of Tomorrow episode. Ooh. Episode 40 of the Geico podcast. Oh, I'm tired now. The announcer has said, thank you everyone for attending DC Fandom. It's now time to make your final purchases, head towards the exits, and we'll see you again next year. Time to go home, put your feet up and have a wee biscuit. Absolutely. Uh, next episode, I promise you, Super Friends will step away from DC slightly. Um, we probably will have to talk about DC Fandom Part 2, but we will have a whole bunch of film releases. We've got Tenet, we've got The New Mutants, uh, I will have attended the Fantasia International Film Festival, which is a fest for horror, fantasy, everything genre, which I'm really looking forward to. I should also have watched a crazy film by the name of The Tomb, Devil's Revenge, starring William Shatner and Jerry Ryan from Star Trek. So we're going we're gonna to have a lot of weird and wonderful things to talk about. Recommendation from me, if you have not already watched Lovecraft Country, which is uh, airing Mondays at 9pm on Sky Atlantic and streaming via Now TV, go and watch it. It is brilliant, and I will make sure to bring you a review of it later on. Anything you've been watching or reading that you'd like to recommend to the super friends at home before we say goodbye? Um, I'm going to put on the spot now. I've not really been watching anything new. I did just finish the Rivers of London spin-off book, The October Man, which is very good. So if you've not read Rivers of London, this is a nice sort of novella. So you don't have to have read the seven other books, you can just dip into this one. It's quite a nice little introduction to the the magical detective universe. That's quite good. Ben Aronovich? Yep. And where can people buy this? Uh, Where all good books are sold. Excellent. That's it for me this week. Is that it from you? That's all I've got left in me. (laughs) So until next time, when we have hopefully had some sleep and have recovered from fandom and other such experiences, bye!